0: Hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and thank you so much for joining me for another brand new episode. I am doing this uh, intro on a noisy day in Dublin, so if you hear seagulls or building work... <laughs> Believe me, I thought i I was like, will I would just record this intro in the dead of the night? Is that the only way to do it? Anyway, hopefully it's not too noisy or distracting. I apologise, I am still making the show remotely... No slick studios here for me, I'm afraid. But I'm very excited about today's episode. It's one of, with one of my favourite writers ever, and I cannot believe she agreed to come on the show. And we had such an interesting chat. We talked about Real Housewives of Dallas, Ladies of London, Housewives of Beverly Hills. Lots of interesting stuff, and no joke, one of the funniest things that's ever happened on this podcast happens about an hour into this interview. Keep your ears peeled, because I... I couldn't believe my luck Of course I'm talking to the one and only Katie Weaver Of GQ, of Gawker, of New York Times fame And you know some of the best Celeb interviews that have ever been done in my opinion So without any further ado Here is Katie Weaver on Housewives and Me My guest today is a writer who got her start on the amazing website Gawker before heading to GQ where she interviewed everybody and I mean Kim Kardashian, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, everybody. And now she is working on the style desk at the New York Times where she writes about a, a range of topics but thankfully also gets story about the real housewives which is very exciting for us. Katie Weaver, welcome to Housewives and me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be invited onto the Prime Minister of Ireland's Real Housewives podcast. That's huge <laughs> for me. <And> I <laughs> love Prime that. For your of
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is an Irish American consulate meeting. We should actually have this around St. Patrick's Day, it would have felt very symbolic, I feel. <laughs>
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Oh, um, look! I am so excited to talk to you. You have written some really great pieces about The Housewives in the last few years, and I know that you've like had a really interesting journey. What like what you're watching right now, what you've watched in the past. So, before we get into all that, how did you get into Housewives as a show? Like, what was your entry way?
1: Oh, so I I have never really watched OC. I didn't care about it when it came out, and I sure don't care about it now. Um, But for whatever whatever reason, once they uh, started one in New York City, that one really appealed to me, maybe because I'm from Pennsylvania and and just have been to New York City um, or had been at that time to New York City. Uh, Many times I was still living in Pennsylvania when I started watching because it was that long ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started watching New York and then I stayed with them through, I guess, was Jersey next? I know Atlanta came at some point in the middle of these guys and I kind of watched the first season and then dipped out, um, eventually came back around a few seasons later. And uh, so I'm kind of always been in and out with Atlanta. Some seasons I'll watch, some I won't. I always watch New York up until recently. Uh, and then it's just like grown and grown and grown. I do Beverly Hills. I do Dallas. I do, um, who else am I missing? I did Miami when it was on. And I really think that they are bringing miami back right yeah
0: they're bringing it back for peacock and they've i think they've started filming a new season which is interesting because i think for ages it was like unofficially canceled but the fans were like please bring back miami so dreams come true
1: i thought it was really crazy i mean i think now if miami had had the first two seasons that say like dallas had i don't think it would have been canceled maybe there was just less room for air but i thought the second season of miami was so good that it, it really was a shame to have it have the plug pulled on it that early. I'm really glad to bring it back. The only one that I am actually fine to see die is DC. I thought DC was terrible.
0: So you're kind of watching a lot of stuff at the moment, and I've seen you like uh, tweet about Beverly Hills recently. So what's your like relationship with that show, and like where are you with the kind of current season so far?
1: I I am so happy for Beverly Hills. I feel like it's back, baby um i i watched it from the beginning i like seasons one and two of beverly hills i think are really perfect tv um and then maybe i can't even remember the difference between two and three but i know i guess so two is like camille's redemption arc right and then she just pieces yeah season two so i I remember that was like that's such an impressive thing to see someone do on reality tv she later kind Mm -hmm. of trampled all over it by eventually coming back in and out it was better for her to be horrible and then great and then leave so i've always watched beverly hills and sometimes it felt like somewhat against my will even though i was the one deciding (laughs) to watch it (laughs) (laughs) but but now that i feel like we have a great mix of women going right now so glad we cut off the dead weight of teddy loving crystal loving garcelle honestly something's making me crazy right now but i think she's good tv i think she's good for the show
0: yeah Sutton's one of those you are annoying me so much but I think we kind of need you here to be that kind of person because sometimes everyone else in Beverly Hills is afraid to rock the boat and because she's so weird it's like actually we need at least one weirdo in this group because the rest of you are so boring
1: she's like genuine turbulence rocking the boat versus Mm. someone who's like I've run on a boat rocking machine and I'm gonna rock the boat which is (laughs) a a little bit how I feel about maybe Candace on Potomac like I would say both of these women drive me crazy but Sutton feels less able to control it <laughs> and I appreciate It's that.
0: also it's so interesting with Sutton as well how like She obviously signed up to do Housewives and she got through the testing process and they went from friend of to full time, which is a rare switch to make on Housewives. And yet she seems so fundamentally uncomfortable with like the key (laughs) elements of being on the show. I find that so fascinating.
1: I feel like Sutton must have some kind of, probably not a therapist, but maybe just like a spiritual guide who keeps telling her to like, take chances. And like, if you think you want to do this, Sutton, do it. And there must just be some voice in the back of her head saying like, I'm doing this for myself, this is what I'm going to do. But she actually seems to not want to do it. You're right. Yeah. I think it's kind of someone else's idea of what she wants to do for herself that she has perhaps adopted as her own because it just, she's so clearly uncomfortable constantly. (laughs) And, Mm. And not in the same way that Kyle is uncomfortable, where at the end of the day, I think Kyle really does enjoy it. And then is just kind of a panicky person. I don't think at the end of the day, Sutton is having a good time. But I love to see that happen on TV. That's great for me as a viewer.
0: <laughs> Same. I have to say, you do a good Sutton impression as well. I don't know if you've been keeping that one under wraps, but it's pretty impressive.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know what? My fiancé's uh, mother, my future mother-in-law, is from Mississippi. And so she has a pretty strong, a very strong Southern accent. And when Sutton talks, I often will think. <laughs> Although, you were just <laughs> actually, like, thinking of you. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn is a... Uh, I, you know, she would be great on on Housewives. She is not, um, she's not quite off her rocker in the way in the way that Sutton is. And I think that
0: <laughs> shout out to her. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think Lynn would uh, would probably. You know what? She would maybe be a little bit more comfortable than Sutton is. I think she she would stir the pot in her own way. Um, but I think that she would also be uh, she would stand up for herself more than Sutton does, and in less confusing ways than Sutton does.
0: Okay, well, we're passing this audio to Andy Cohen after this, and we're <laughs> going to see what we can do for "Lim Real Housewives of Mississippi coming your way next year. <laughs> um, you actually were tweeting stuff about, like, kind of the new cast members. Like, are there certain... And then how you weren't as into some of the old guard, if you will. Yeah. Are there any kind of long-term Beverly Hills people where you're like, listen, the time has come. Oh, Leave.
1: absolutely. I mean, Erica, for sure. Erica should have left seasons ago. Um, I'm curious to see how much we'll get out of her with the Tom divorce stuff. It could maybe be a statement and mm-hmm. grace for, like, one season, but... She really has far outstayed her welcome, in my opinion, because she just didn't share things. She kept too much private. And I think in general, that's a problem with the women of Beverly Hills, which is why I think maybe we should really shake up the cast in a big way. Like Rinna, Kyle, Erica, doree definitely all have this little pact with one another that like certain things will be off limits and it just doesn't make for interesting TV. Um, so I think what you need is at least one person, and I do think they have that now, who will basically not abide by that pact. Um, because if even one person starts bringing up things that they've agreed not to talk about, it will throw the whole system into chaos. But if it's just those women left to their own devices, like we as the viewers will be seeing less and less and less of their real lives, which is what makes these shows interesting. So I would I would lose Rena for sure. I think Rena has overstayed. Um, Dorit, I'm actually okay with. I've come around on Dorit because I do think that she, I think that number one, she makes things a little bit interesting. She's kind of willing to create a little bit of fake drama, but also her life seems like such a house of cards that I'm yeah. sure eventually it's her, you know, complete, fall from grace if she has grace at the moment will be captured by bravo's cameras it just seems too precarious
0: yeah and it, she seems from what we as we're talking what we've seen her so far in this season dorit has done so little storyline wise whereas before she has been a real antagonist or a real driver story mm-hmm. at the moment she's kind of sat back which doesn't feel like her vibe on housewives at all
1: well i really feel like last season i think that dorit is someone who is really thinking several steps ahead in terms of like editing and production and the edit Mm -hmm. that the show will get and i really genuinely believe last season that she number one decided that her plot line was going to be kyle interrupting her because i I'm sure that Kyle interrupts everyone. And I think that Dorit just <laughs> yeah. knew that they were going to be able to put in a lot of clips of Kyle interrupting her. So as she kind of built that up <laughs> over the season, I think she could see the montages forming in her head. And the other thing I think was so interesting is there is one scene last season, um, where I'm trying to even remember who was in the room. I just felt like Derit shockingly made the made the decision to go to the right room when the women's kind of split up after a sort of tense dinner. And she must've been with like probably Garcelle and Denise, I'm guessing. And I know that and when were
0: on the trip. Yes. Yeah.
1: And Sutton went in the room with the other women and it was like, that kind of really is for me, the difference between Dorit and Sutton. Derite is fundamentally always thinking, always planning. If she is somewhere, it's because has decided that's where she should be. I think Sutton mm. is often to, ter- surprised to find herself wherever she is and so you never want to look around a room and see sutton in it if people are taking sides because sutton has probably (laughs) gotten there by accident you want to know where the is because that's a person who's really applying some logic to the situation and i honestly think she realized denise and garcelle are going to be fan favorites i need to go with them
0: yeah i mean i've said this before in the show but it's still one of my favorite moments when like Brandy sits down at Teddy's baby shower and explains in graphic detail the parts and bits and bobs of Denise's body she's explored because they were (laughs) lovers allegedly and then Dorit just goes I'm sorry Brandy I believe Denise and she's literally like inches away from her face and being like I'm sorry I just can't I was like that's kind of ballsy like (laughs) I kind of love that you did that
1: Dorit is absolutely ballsy absolutely I have to say about that also I I don't think that Denise is telling the whole truth. I think Brandy is a very unreliable narrator. We can tell from her hair, which is not the hair of a well woman. The the fact that some of her evidence was like, you know, text messages going, and they're like, wow, these are a lot of texts. That's just how people text. Like You send a little bit at a time, and it felt to me like they were like they, I think, maybe didn't have to scroll back very far to find these texts, which they would have if these women are, like, actually texting constantly. But if it's someone you only talk to every once in a while, then, of course, you can pull up the text right away.
0: Yeah, that's so true. You were like, oh, my God, there's texts. I'm like three you know there's dates across six different months. it's like yeah if you're checking in to go for dinner or asking a favor or something like yeah I thought that, that I always like we'll put them on screen then I was like show me the dates yeah scroll <laughs> up the phone screen record and if you have to
1: <laughs> yes agreed so I actually do miss Denise on the show I could see her you know chaotically coming back at some point um, and she was someone who, you know, even though we could say that she was maybe doing an Erica thing of sort of trying to hide aspects of her life, at least she did it in a really interesting way that created incredible, mm. like, metadrama for the series. I, If Erica was doing that, I would be fine with it. She's not really giving an inch.
0: I was chatting to you before we were, you know, before we spoke today, just to get an idea of what shows you watched. And I was really surprised you said this, but I also thought it was really interesting. You said that you used to watch New York, but you kind of gave up last season and you haven't tried the current season. So why did you give up in New York? And is that something, even though you're a Housewives fan, you'll do where you're like, you know what? I'm actually out. Cause some Housewives fans will watch through thick and thin, maybe sometimes <laughs> to their detriment.
1: You know what? I'm trying to answer this question about myself right now. Cause I've never really done it before, <laughs> but I just, last season I was finding so boring. I don't love Leah. I can't fully describe why. Um, There's a, you know, I don't know. There's just something about her that I don't really care about. And I gather that she's becoming more and more like a central figure. Oh, actually, someone I worked with described her brilliantly. And I keep thinking about this. They said she's dinner theater Bethany. So, and that is really, I agree with that assessment. And so this season, I kind of want to check in to see Ebony. I think that's exciting. that They finally added a black woman in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just don't I I, I, there's a chance I'll go back to it and just sort of binge it all and catch up but it's not something I'm planning to do actively at the moment and I've never done this with the houses I've never abandoned one before even Beverly Hills at its worst moments
0: because that's what I think is so interesting about it because I feel like for people who watch the shows kind of on the weekly schedule and keep maybe joining the conversation or listen to podcasts or in some cases do their own podcast. Like <laughs> you feel this weird sense of loyalty where you're like, this season is terrible, but I'll watch every frame. So in a way I was like, you weren't enjoying it. And you stopped watching, which is actually a really normal response. But in Housewives fans world, we're like, no, we have to watch this.
1: <laughs> well, I think the abnormal response is that there is a small part of my brain that is still thinking like, we might have to go back and do this at some point. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's like getting my, you know, like CPR certification or something. It's like, I know I'm going to have to do the paper. i have to see the whole thing. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And if I hear later that this season has gotten really amazing, I think I would dip in. But I haven't really heard that people aren't talking about mm. it the way they're talking about Beverly Hills.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's definitely in it. I think just the number, smaller cast and stuff and filming during COVID has hit them very hard. Now I know you kind of to dip back into Dallas and Jersey or New Jersey, I should say. <laughs> What's your like journey with those shows like?
1: <sighs> um I've watched Jersey from the beginning, so I don't know how much you know about the geography of the northeastern United States, but Pennsylvania shares a border with new jersey we don't have a oh. we're, we're an east coast state but we don't actually have a coastline what would be our coastline with mm-hmm. new jersey um so i was curious to see what's going on with my friends there um since it's so <laughs> close to us and like if i would go on if i would go to the beach in the summer we would always drive to new jersey and actually i have family in new york on long island uh, and the vibe is kind of very similar. The vibe of their friends and neighborhood is very similar to what I see on New Jersey. So New Jersey feels, uh, familiar to me, even though it's not a lifestyle or a place where I've ever lived. Um, and then Dallas, I, uh, I started watching it when it premiered. I didn't love it. So I dropped off, but then, uh, I think it probably my friend Brennan, who you've had on the show told Mm -hmm. me that it was good enough for season two to just jump back in. So I I watched like the first couple episodes of season one. I think I watched maybe one episode of the reunion. And then I just started fully from season two. And I haven't missed an episode since. Um, You know, it's a great great show. I think Dallas is underrated. Like people always say that Potomac is underrated. And Mm -hmm. maybe it is. But I feel like people say that so much that actually maybe now it's correctly rated. Whereas people really don't seem to talk about Dallas a lot. Um, And there's a, I think there's a lot to like in Dallas. The one thing that I think Dallas does really well um, is I think they've right now got a group of women who do enjoy being in one another's presence and like going on trips together, which I think keeps the show interesting because, you know, obviously it's just, it's fun to see people having fun together. And they, if they do have problems, I think it becomes a little bit more real to them because they don't want to lose this you know thing that enables them to have uh to have like free fancy trips with these women they like so they want to keep kind of bringing it for the show and they're willing to go through the hard stuff on the show rather than someone being like you know i don't actually care about these women i don't care if i'm on this show
0: yeah i feel the most recent season of dallas was such a mixed bag like in some ways it because of covid it never got going but then because of weirdness within the cast dynamics it very stop start the reunion was like actually one of the toughest reunions to watch. I just find the reunion so like, like like dense and kind of difficult. And I have a feeling they're going to have a big shakeup next season as well.
1: I am here for that. I'm ready for the shakeup. I think uh, Tiffany was a great addition. Mm. I love Stephanie. I think Stephanie is such a pure good person. I follow her on Instagram. I'm always smashing heart on her posts. She... (laughs) uh, do you ever, do you follow her on Instagram? Do you keep an eye on her?
0: I, ha- I don't, no, I don't follow her Instagram. I'll look at her Instagram the odd time, but it's been a while since I've delved okay. gone on that journey.
1: So I'm pretty sure that she replies to every single comment, if it's at least, if it's <gasps> like, and she, someone just be like, oh my God, Steph, you look amazing. And she'd be like, thanks, baby. And you know, hearts, but she'll reply to <laughs> everyone. Um, no. So I like that she's taking the time. That's a crazy way to live. Um, oh, I, <laughs> I think that Deandra is really good TV. Super interesting. She is someone who, you know, it's funny, a couple episodes ago on Beverly Hills, Sutton was proving that she's not racist by telling us that she's not racist. And it's like, do you have any other evidence? (laughs) And, uh, you know, I don't know about DeAndra's politics. I'm sure she's done things and said things that would horrify me. But she actually does feel like someone to me who, especially for these shows, for the white women on these shows, has a pretty naturally diverse friend group. Um, Mm. And I appreciate that about Deandra. I like that. And that like, she's the one who knew Tiffany, right? And her mom is, you know, really like Tiffany. Um, And if you check in on Deandra's Instagram, she, you know, she's like at a birthday party with like a bunch of black women. And it's like, okay, I don't actually know how many of the white women on any of these shows would find themselves at a party with a bunch of black women if it wasn't like their cast member Garcelle.
0: yeah yeah no I hadn't thought of that actually because I don't really I'd say the Dallas women are the ones I'm the least aware of on social media unless it's something like the horrible Tiffany and Cameron back and forth that happened after the reunion but I don't really follow much of their stuff so that's interesting I think Deandra too has we're talking about people who have and haven't shown their stories on camera i feel like deandra has exposed an awful lot of herself on the show probably more than a lot of ca- newer or kind of established cast members would do in other cities
1: totally yeah that's a really good point she's exposed a lot of herself and she's always constantly exposing more and more and more i feel like every season we get like five new deandra bombshells
0: yes <laughs> like oh my God, she was like so a right.
1: groupie <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did a lot of coke hey I was a groupie anyway and you're like sorry rewind you were a who with a what and a why so like she just drops these it. things in yeah exactly she's like oh you know the usual I was a groupie who, that, was the who amongst us
1: and that none of the other women knew any of the bands because they're younger than she is brutal
0: oh yeah forgot about that oh my god that was so funny they were like there was like crickets like mm, I'm not familiar with that no. band so anyway
1: But I actually went, when she, sorry, when she revealed that, I I went off into a reverie for like five minutes, just thinking like, what would it, like, what were the guys in these bands thinking when they met Deandra Did they know the Simmons name carries a lot of weight in Dallas? Are they aware Mm. now that she's on a TV show?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've written like lots of stuff about Housewives for the New York Times, and it's something you've written about before. And a piece that got a lot of attention last year that actually came out before the new season aired, but generated a lot of interest was your profile of portia williams for the new york times so i'd love to know how that came together and what was what was it like interviewing her at that time because she was in the middle of this evolution from Mm -hmm. the comic relief on housewives of atlanta to the cat you know the Favorite of the cast most for most people, and then also going into activism in a very real way.
1: Sure. Um. So that came together because I'm very blessed at the times to work with uh, an editor, Lindsay Underwood, who is also a big Housewives fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty sure it was Lindsay's idea. Um. This, you know, this news came out that Portia had been arrested, and I think Lindsay just said, "Let's see if she'll talk to us." Um. So Lindsay set it up. And we were very excited that they said yes. One thing that was actually really funny is, I'm trying to remember now, I it must have been Portia's team who kept reconfirming this, but they, like, really wanted to make sure that this wasn't a story about all the housewives that I was focusing on Portia. <laughs> and I don't know if that's, like, if that would be their primary concern always or if giving them the benefit of the doubt, maybe they just wanted to make sure they presented it to her correctly. I don't know. But that was, like, we had to confirm with them many times, like, I might talk to other people, but it's really a story about Portia. Portia is the focus of this story. And I think I didn't even end up talking to other housewives because I got enough good stuff from Portia. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I just uh, sat down with her to chat. I found her really thoughtful. I liked talking to her and I felt like I left the conversation with a better understanding of her personality. And then later when, there was the kind of controversy. Um, I only know the vegas outlines of it, like between her and Candy uh, about like how they would get Bravo to sort of yeah. support its its black employees and you know housewives. Um, I felt like I really understood their uh, her position and Candy's position and saw why they weren't. You know, maybe they were a little bit annoyed at how things had happened, but I it they both knew that they were working toward the same goal. And it just makes sense that like Portia would be super focused on the activism side of it because that is her family. And, you know, she like grew up in the church and groups that are all about corralling people and, you know, getting them to to move toward the same cause and doing protests and things. And Candy mm-hmm. is much more of an entrepreneur and a businesswoman, So it makes sense to me that she was thinking of it from more of a kind of number standpoint. Like I want you to have X number of, you know, like, black people working on these shows and making yeah. sure that you're giving them opportunities so it was different ways of achieving you know the same goal and i and i think that they also made that clear too In whatever like was, what was i even reading was i reading like instagram notes they were posting or something but like <laughs>
0: yeah so what happened was um Anna Peel, who was on the show a while ago did a piece for uh vulture slash new york magazine called the soul of bravo that was about the kind of quote unquote racial reckoning happening at the network and one of the strands in the piece was how Candy had as you mentioned went to the network herself and said you know um, as someone who works in production I'd love to see you know more black owned production companies do shows at you or can we do opportunities but you know uh, majority black colleges in parts of the US where those students get internships etc and the piece kind of revealed that there had been a slight tension, as you said, where I think the rest of the cast were thought they were united front when they went to the network on certain things. And because Candy, as you mentioned, the entrepreneur did it herself, this weird kind of disconnect happened and a miscommunication and Portia and Candy filmed scenes for the show talking about it that ended up not airing because they thought it was too confusing and may have looked bad. And Anna had all this in the piece, which wasn't really public knowledge, and then Portia had to go like on Instagram Live and clarify and it became a story out of a story and it was a very like inside baseball thing. But I think as you say, it showed how they both have the same goal. They were just working in, right. in different ways, but it was really interesting.
1: Yeah. And that's also the thing I love about Atlanta is that that is really the only show where I could imagine any of this being discussed on or off the show. Um, I'm, like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to have it in Beverly Hills. And I actually don't yeah. even think it would really happen in Potomac because I don't think any of them Have leaned into activism. I know none of them because they would have been Instagramming about it. (laughs) Have leaned into activism with quite the kind of force that Portia has.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think, and also as you say, it's it's in Portia's like family history, and I think she has a relationship to it. Like where she would probably do it, whether she was on TV or not. So it sounds like she was a very open, and I guess. I don't want to say, well, yeah, like an easy person to interview. Like, it sounds like she was very forthcoming, which I'm guessing sometimes, you know, not every reality star is like that when you interview them.
1: Yeah, I, I think this was a topic that she was really passionate about. And she I appreciated that she was, you know, being careful and trying to make sure that she was making her points accurately. It, just, it was, it was a, a pleasant and interesting conversation. The other thing I'll say is I walked away really pretty confident that one day we will be addressing her as Reverend Portia Williams. I think she will, like, formally join the church at some point in like a leadership role.
0: Just in general, you have interviewed so many big name Mm A-listers and you've had the chats with Real Housewives who for us are A-listers too. Is there a difference in how those kinds of celebrities conduct themselves in the interview space or does it all boil down to the same kind of they have a stock answer they have good pr etc no
1: it's for sure i mean you can definitely tell that the reality adjacent stars are tend to be sloppier in their answers and so much more Mm -hmm. difficult to like coordinate with they will like i remember Teresa insisted that someone from either Bravo or from her team like be on the phone and it's like okay if you're not a child but that's fine and that's like the Mm -hmm. the biggest celebrities are the ones who are the most casual about this they like they'll just call you from their own phone they're like you know no calls doesn't need to be here like you know stuff like that. like John Travolta Mm -hmm. has called me um, oh my gosh. directly I love when they when they call and it's not like okay like please hold this is like so and so and I'm going to put you through to, when it's just them calling it's so nice um, and I also think that maybe the A-list celebrities are smart enough or have smart enough teams to know that that actually is something that kind of plays well to just be super casual and easy to work with about the logistics mm. of the interview versus these people who are very much like I everything needs to go through my publicist and like da 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 da, yeah. da. Um, yeah, so definitely, I think the more famous you get, kind of the more, in a weird way, chill you become. Maybe because you understand that um, I mean, if I think I was really wrong, you can probably, you know, like fix it. You have the PR team in place to fix it. Um, yes, and they're also probably giving you better advice than the the lower stratosphere people.
0: So another piece that you wrote for the Times that I love, and weirdly. Helped and inspired this podcast in a roundabout way was you wrote an article about the incidental music and the score and the kind of music that soundtracks the Real Housewives shows because anyone who watches the shows will tell you it's like so specific to each show and it's very different to the kind of music you hear on other kinds of television and then weirdly when I was doing trying to find theme music for my show... I went to some of the places you had written about in your piece just to <laughs> kind of get like music I could use that felt Housewise-y, which is re- actually really hard to find. But I'm so curious how that piece came together and what you learned because that's such an interesting take on housewise that I think most of us don't think about, but actually once you think about it, you're like, oh my god, the music is bizarre in these programs.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think I told you this when we first exchanged emails. I thought that the that your music is so spot on. I'm really impressed that <laughs> you were you. able to nail down the elements. It sounds like really housewives music um yeah i think the idea for this piece was probably mine um because i don't think anyone else on the desk would have cared enough to suggest it Lindsay, my editor wasn't working on the desk at this time so i know it didn't come from her. um and i just you know i had the kind of editor who really ran the whole stylist desk at that time sort of said yes to every idea so i think that's how it got approved is that there's nothing he wouldn't say (laughs) no to And then I was lucky that I, you know, was able. I just kind of went through like I think IMDb and the production companies to try to figure out who had done a lot of music or maybe the most music for certain shows because it can also change, you know, between seasons. And then I I found a few people to talk to me, and they they were, I will say, very generous with their time and really walking me through things. I got to go to two different studios, and it, it was so interesting because I know nothing about music. So, to hear how it's put together and, you know, what they're, where in the process it happens and specific elements that are tied to certain cities, I found that all so interesting. And the other thing I really loved is while I was working on it, um, the guys at Signature Tracks, which is one of the kind of groups I talked to, sent me some samples. I think it was Signature Tracks who did this. Um, And, Mm -hmm. Uh, I would just play the samples for other friends I knew who were Housewives fans and ask them what city it sounded like. And people were really good. Like they could distinguish New York from Beverly Hills.
0: Wow! Yeah,
1: it's a skill that you know you you probably would be able to do it too. I think you've watched enough at this point <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, that it, it sounds like something like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe people can do that." And then the freaks who watch these shows as much as we do, it's like, "Oh yeah, obviously that's Beverly Hills. It has a lot of like champagne sounds."
0: <laughs> yeah, and it was funny reading the piece because you can't. Well, if you if anyone's read it online, which is where you'd obviously get it now versus in print, like you have some of those samples in the web version, so you can actually hit play and like hear that music just by itself and you almost can hear someone saying, Honey, what time are you going for dinner? Like you can actually hear <laughs> like how and talking over it and even I think some of the guys Who made the music said that there's a certain level they pitch that where if it's that little bit lower, suddenly it's perfect. Whereas if it's a bit too loud, it's like invasive. And the styles and genres and music they use I mean, it was just to me, it was very eye opening. I'm sure you must have learned a lot recording it.
1: I learned a ton. I've now forgotten almost everything I've learned, so I should probably reread this piece. But I remember (laughs) there was a period of months where I couldn't stop explaining the Housewives music to people. The other thing that I think is so interesting on Beverly Hills this season is they're doing a lot with silence and Erica mm. getting different music um which i think is god she's getting such a brutal edit this season i think it's probably deserved um but it's yeah. really like she's having so many scenes with just markedly different music or no sound at all and it really is bleak when those scenes crop up
0: and that's such a good point actually how because that was sort of in your piece about the music as well was in the piece you noted how the shows are actually stuffed full of music and there's rarely a moment where there's not some kind of underscoring happening with the music. So when you drop that out, it's like very stark for the viewer. Like even without realizing you're like, wow, even little things like when they all found out about Eric's divorce and they kind of pare back the music and it's just them trying to act surprised. I would argue not very convincingly, <laughs> you know, like you're right. Whenever they drop the sound out, I think everyone's like, oh, something's like my, your body reacts. Yeah, like yeah, in, you almost up. your gut goes, what is going on?
1: <laughs> Yes, totally. Agreed.
0: So another show I wanted to ask you about, and it's one that's technically not a Housewives show, but to me was basically a housewife show in all but name, was Ladies of London, which followed, you know, a group that was half American women, half like English women living in London. Surprise, surprise. That kind of had a bit of a cult following, but never quite scaled the lofty heights of Real Housewives. <laughs> Why were you a fan of Ladies of London? And what is your case for maybe bringing it back one day? Oh
1: my gosh. I just thought that was such a good show. It was like everything that I really like about the housewives where they had you know we got to see big estates and we got to see rich women doing crazy things and having silly fights um -hmm. i thought that it had really good drama i thought some of the lines were i still think about them um and some of the looks that they would give one another i remember i guess in the final season was it three seasons
0: yeah it was three seasons okay
1: there's a moment toward the end when caroline um stanbury is complaining about something and she says the only person i had that i could talk to was my makeup artist It's like (laughs) Um,
0: such a ladies in london kind of thing to say yeah
1: um i thought that that show also had really particularly good fake songs um Yes. that was so low effort there was one and the lyrics were just <laughs> we're gonna party yeah we're gonna party now that i'm here the party starts now but in like a kind of <laughs> rock and roll british accent
0: <laughs> yeah all the songs on ladies and were like we're gonna party 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 it's london life and it was basically charlie xcx songs yeah. from five years ago like off totally. demo cuts that she wouldn't use very that
1: yeah <laughs> and i just thought it was great i my theory um because i'm sure i've heard this from other people and now i just parried it back as fact is that they stopped doing it because it was like too expensive to film um Mm. but I, i mean it was just great tv it was better than many seasons of housewives i loved seeing the like the drama between like the american women like inner fighting and then fighting against the british women and deciding like what is a problem like oh is she just being like american or she's being british or is she just a terrible person i loved all of that
0: it just was a show with such interesting characters because some of them were like actually wealthy in a way the real housewives in america would never be because they're from like old school british money but also because of that they were a bit like blasé by her which they were and when you'd realize you were like oh my god because the american characters in these shows are generally so like look look what i have look right. what i have whereas <laughs> you, you, the two carolines were like oh this yeah just my million dollar home you're like this is crazy
1: <laughs> well i also think that the kind of best case scenario for appearing on a reality show in any form is for it to be another country's reality show uh, i think mm-hmm. it's going to be low stakes for you people might be able to find it but they'll really have to put in work it's like you're not going to be on ads all the time and i think they probably did air that in the uk at least at some point um mm-hmm. but my sense was that it was a true bravo show right it wasn't another network show that like they aired on bravo
0: no yeah it was so it was may I, I and i do wonder if that's why it was harder for it to c- continue because i think what happened was they may have I'm, i mean i'm not 100% sure it aired on bravo It was a bravo original made by i think an american production company but it was obviously filmed and said in the uk and i w- would wager that probably was a bit of a headache finance wise i know it aired on british tv and then over here i've watched it on hey you which is an nbc universal streaming service where we just get all the basically bravo e and oxygen content is on it so mm-hmm. that's where i would have watched it but yeah i know what you mean it's like if you were a british person on that you're like i'm filming an american tv show but also there's a chance that people in my immediate locality have not seen this it is kind of the dream scenario it's a kind of an anonymity whatever you, that you wouldn't get otherwise
1: yes totally and this is something that i often think about with um below deck guests it's like if i were you know from a country where bravo doesn't air and i had a chance to get a deeply discounted you know yacht cruise if, mm. in exchange for being filmed yeah i'd probably do that no one i know is ever going to see this
0: yeah that's so true I thought that. although below deck is... I feel like that's another show that has taken off with a whole new audience, even over here in the last year. So maybe there's for less places to hide now if you <laughs> do decide to go on Below Deck. Um, I suppose you've covered, like, you've written about Below Deck for the New York Times, you watch Ladies London, you watch Housewives, and you kind of watched it since the start in a way. Like, what do you think even the appeal of Housewives is, and do you think that's even changed over the years as the show has evolved?
1: Ooh, well, I think that the appeal, I think maybe the first season, the appeal... Uh, I think specifically the first season of New York. I do think it was a little bit of a different vibe because Mm -hmm. you know, they they were just like the whole setup was different and they felt like the women seemed oblivious in a different way. But one thing that has always made me crazy about people who don't watch housewives and who kind of poo poo it is that they're like, well, you know, it's all fake. They're doing it for cameras. And it's like, yeah, no, we know that. And they know that. And like they know that we know that everyone is aware of that, but it's still really interesting to see people factoring that into the equation and how they're going to behave. Because it's like, I know that they're aware they're on camera. It's interesting for me to see someone have to decide how are they going to react to this on camera? Because we're not, you know, they're not like Oscar winning actors here. So we can, <laughs> we can often see wheels turning in their heads and we can see stories fall apart because they're like trying to tell a weird lie on camera. I think that's so interesting. So the appeal for me has always been... Um, know just getting to like see these people try to figure out how to come across well on tv or at least come across interestingly on tv and I think it's also interesting because there's a it's like if you if you kind of analyze your friends and criticize them as much as we do the real Housewives, you would get a reputation as like a shitty friend or a a bad rude (laughs) person but this is a group of people who it's really safe for us to get totally wrapped up in their personal drama and talk about it all the time with our friends and it's not, we don't get the reputation of being gossips because it's like fair game one thing on Beverly Hills I just want to mention because I think you'll find it interesting Uh, Mm -hmm. so I'd say I have no proof of this, I'm just going (laughs) to say, you know allegedly, hypothetically it would be interesting to me if a woman like Dorit, whose life seems to be a house of cards but who is always wearing (laughs) Such expensive outfits and doing the photo shoots for them and stuff. Um, there, there is a, a you know an area in U.S. tax documents where you can write off clothing that you buy for work, but it's really strictly regulated. Like you, it has to be something that you could only wear in the context of working. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. I think, like, an actor can't just be like, I wore this in an audition. It's like, no, that's just a dress. Um, it has to be, like, a construction uh. helmet or something like that. Um, okay. And hypothetically, if I were someone who is not afraid of scans <laughs> and who thought that I wouldn't get caught, I could absolutely see myself buying outlandish couture outfits, outfits no one would wear in real life. And then wearing them on the show and doing my photographs and making sure my photographs are part of the show. Oh, no, I'm late to dinner because I've been taking photographs of my outfit. I could see myself then hoping that I can use all that to eventually make the case when I'm audited that, well, this is for work because I only wore it to this dinner and it was a plot line. Obviously, no one would wear this in real life. I needed to buy it for work. I think that that. That an auditor would not be satisfied at that. And so I just hope if anyone is or would ever do that, they're being <laughs> very, very careful indeed.
0: <laughs> you're, this feels like all those stories that came out about how allegedly Jen Shaw's glam squad was so big because half of them were FBI agents. I feel like you're maybe moonlighting as an FBI agent and a New York Times reporter. You're like, oh my, I have to delay filing that copy because I have a personal thing, and you're actually like wiretapping Dorites. Like, I don't know. Poshmark account or something.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, Teresa's Poshmark account is something I would love to find. Gosh, you just reminded me. I don't think it was Poshmark, but Carol from New York at one point was oh, spelling yeah. a lot of her stuff online. And I got my cousin as a, a Christmas gift one year, just like a clutch that said Carol. I think maybe like Torinda had given them to the women and just Carol's <laughs> the society you know what she was right. There was a market for this glittery clutch that said Carol, used clutch. Um, so I got that from my cousin and it was cheap. It was like $20.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love how you had to clarify and don't worry. It was super cheap. Oh my God. Um,
1: (laughs) at what point does like the money you're generating is $20 really enough to kind of justify the effort and expense you'll have to go to to either list this yourself or have your assistant doing, is this the best use of anyone's time? You making a probably $12 profit? (laughs) Maybe.
0: A question I love asking every person on the show, and I'm really curious what your answer will be for this, um, is what your lies tagline would be and why.
1: Okay, so I actually have to pull up my phone because I, of course, text about this uh, all the time with various groups of friends. I'm going to see, I, and, and normally I'm, I'm actually not good at coming up with them. Um, okay, here we go. Let me see. Did I come up with this or was it theirs? Okay scrolling through okay <laughs> um, there's so
0: many texts it's like denise and brandy wow. yeah.
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> there's well, a lot of texts i, I saw. saw
0: a lot of texts on that phone <laughs>
1: so i the first thing to you know about me so this is i'll just read a couple of my texts verbatim you know i said i'm trying to okay. think how would i even summarize my life um and so then i thought about that and one thing to you know about me is that i have narcolepsy um oh so <laughs> So I won't fall asleep while we're talking, but it's, you know, I do. Can't <laughs> it. Um, and so the first one I came up with was don't sleep on this narcoleptic bitch. And then I, <laughs> and, and then I re- actually mine would probably some would probably be some psychotic New Jersey esque one about loyalty. And I'm really happy with what I did come up with. It's really like Caroline Manzo vibes. But what I came up with was I'll do anything for the ones I love and anything to the ones I hate
0: it's <laughs> very new jersey i can see now how you've grown up with this like new jersey and long island was adjacent to your life you've obviously taken that on board in some way oh my god that's amazing that
1: that feels very kind of true to my personality one of my friends had one this is i was like in college when one of my friends told me this and i have remembered it since then it was um if you're not making money you're making a mess oh that's good <laughs>
0: Oh, that, these came out for you very easily. Sometimes I've had to like workshop mid-podcast because people are like freaking out. It sounds like you and your friends have like a few ready to go. Yes,
1: I think it's a fun like car game if you're driving somewhere to just try to come up with them if you if you have time to kill. I will say this is like maybe the first time now that I'm thinking about it that I actually can't remember like any of the Beverly Hills taglines right now, even though I think some of them are okay. Do you remember any from the current season? I just know Rinna's is about her product which I
0: don't care about yeah well there's um Erica's one which oh, <laughs> depending yeah. on how you look at it is either high camp and self-aware or utterly chilling where she goes the hardest substance in the world is or the toughest substance in the world isn't diamonds it's me something like that yeah. it's like and there's Garcelle's is a, if you want to play a part of my life you better drop the act Dorit has one mm. that's something like Wear the clothes and then wear them again. It's oh yeah! Oh yeah!
1: Right, right, right. Hers yes, is like, like put on a dress.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then dress again. Ugh. And there's something's one it mentions derriere, which I was like, you could oh, just said Austin. Oh, yes. oh my you god! You could have just said. Oh. I think that's a real but southern anyway.
1: thing to throw out derriere. Um, I gotta say, you even just mentioning Garcelle just now, I just like her so much. Like I, I, I feel suffused with a warm light when you when you mention Garcelle. Yes, there was, a i think, it was an episode or two ago. Um, Oh, when she sat down with Rena to, to have, you know, their confrontation and there was something, I was alone in my apartment watching it and Rena said something and at the exact same second, Garcelle and I both went like, really? Or like, shut up. (laughs) And it's like, oh my God, I'm Garcelle. I'm so tapped into her. We're, we're having this conversation (laughs) the exact same way.
0: This sort of leads into the next question actually, which I, I'm very curious where you land on this, but, um. If you were throwing a housewives dinner party tomorrow and you can have five people from the show, be they housewives, friends of, husbands, hangers-on, whoever, what five people are coming around for dinner and why? Okay, I,
1: I've been so stressed about this question. <laughs> I Every time I hear a guest do it, I kind of try to think again of my list from the bottom. I don't have a firm list saved, so I'm going to try to talk through it now. I think the the Jersey women talking, and specifically Margaret talking, is like ASMR to me. Like I love hearing okay. Margaret just like, my, my most calming, you know, the most calming kind of sound I can imagine in the universe is Margaret telling me about all of, like, the supplies she's ordered for a party and, like, what we're going to do. <laughs> and, like, and then we'll do a little, just, like, a little style maybe we can get. I know someone who does a nice, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. like, I love that sound. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure I would have Margaret there or I would like Margaret to plan the dinner and tell me about it. Um, So I'll keep her one in, one out for now and see how many more I can Okay. Um, (laughs) Okay, I think that's all I would want from Jersey. Oh, I should also say, I saw, um, I forgot to mention this earlier. I saw Melissa once at like a weird magazine event, probably almost 10 years ago. Um, It was maybe her first season on Jersey. She was beautiful. She was covered in body glitter for a normal night. Yeah. Um, Gorgeous. Um, Okay, so I have Margaret, Um, Mm -hmm. let's see. Let's skip to, you know what, What, I can't remember what the context of this video, oh, it's probably a reunion actually, but remember on New York once the the women saying that they love to let Bethany order for them, because they know she'll do a good job, and I'm a Bethany fan, I love her and I hate her, but I think the show is always better with her in it. I Mm -hmm. think I would probably want Bethany also because she genuinely has a lot of money. I'm kind of assuming with the people I invite, that like they're bringing something or maybe I'm doing it at one of their houses. I think Bethany is. Funny. Okay. It's like, <laughs> You're
0: borrowing their home. Yes.
1: So I think, <laughs> I think I would want, I think I would want Bethany. Okay. Beverly Hills. Oh my God. We haven't talked about Kathy Hilton at all.
0: Oh wow. What a, what I'm a start. Like,
1: and it's like, what I have. Kathy? So I think that Kathy is I'm number one. I think she's the real life version of um, Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. The Catherine. Yes. Um, very that. And I think she really is um you asked earlier if you know I think what people have sort of gotten out of the shows and what they like about the shows has changed. I think Kathy Hilton is the perfect embodiment of what the shows on paper are purporting to show, which is like a very wealthy woman who is not completely thrown off by the cameras being around, who really just is living mm. her regular life. I think Kathy is doing that to a degree no one else has ever done it on one of these shows. And I love her for that. Yeah, that's true. She's,
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a kind of escapist, like, how the other half live on um, her. we are like, even her on the Lake Tahoe trip, dressing so down, yeah. to me, is a real sign she's loaded. Because really rich people don't even think about
1: yes, totally. having to show
0: off their wealth, you know, yeah. around a campfire on a girl's trip. They don't care.
1: I love that power move. So... Let, let me talk through the other ones and see if Kathy's who I want because I have a feeling she might not be. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is very intense, Katz. You're like, oh, well, you might not make the cut.
1: <laughs> okay, so we have Marge, Kyle. What oh, mm-hmm. can think of it. it's, I do, I love to be around Garcelle. Um, so, oh, hmm. sorry, I was thinking ahead to another city. Okay, maybe Garcelle. <laughs> I would. I don't think I would want, I know I wouldn't want Rena. Obviously, I wouldn't want Erica. Um, I don't think. I think I would want. I don't think I like Kyle enough to have her at this intimate dinner party, um, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, Sutton also has a lot of money, and Sutton would create interesting drama at the dinner party. Actually, you know what? True. Sut- I was going to say Sutton might have good weird tips about you know fancy rich people things that I would like to do and be able to hook me up with those mm. people. But even as I'm saying it, I'm realizing I would get the best tips from Kathy. So I do think I need Kathy at the party. Okay, so we have Marge. Bethany, Kathy, hopping over to Potomac. Ooh, Monique, I love my Monique. Up and down, <gasps> Stan. Her will defend her to the death. Uh, she knows how to throw a party. She's a lot of fun. She's beautiful. I think she's mm-hmm. she might be the prettiest housewife. Um, so I'm definitely having Monique. And she
0: knows how to throw hands as well. Yes. So like you know, covers all the bases. I think she's
1: <laughs> completely justified. I'm crushed. She's not going to be back next season. I hope she comes back eventually. Yes, I've been, I will die on Monique Hill for sure. So oh wow, so Monique is my fourth. Uh, and I, just, I think the other women really resent that she is wealthier and prettier than they are. Uh, I think they can't handle that. And they kind of side with Candace because Candace is less well off.
0: And it felt too like they sided with Candace in the moment. And obviously like Monique shouldn't have hit Candace. Like no one's like, oh, it was fine that she did that. But the way in which they turned on her I was like, yeah, but you're all gonna turn on Candace when it suits you again. It's not like Candace is your longtime friend, yeah. and you feel so bad. It's that you feel bad for her because she's your good friend. It's like there's an element of this suits you to like turn on totally. this other person. They, so it did feel weird. Any yeah.
1: any reason to to tear Monique down? I think they were willing to jump on it, um, and I also think part of it might be that. The other women, like even Robin, who now doesn't have as much money as the other women, but, you know, growing up, she definitely came from like a wealthier background. Giselle did, Candace mm-hmm. obviously did, and Monique didn't. And I think it also really bugged them that someone who didn't grow up with wealth now has more than they do and seem to be mm-hmm. in a pretty happy marriage, you know, and yada, yada, yada. Um, okay, so they had to have Monique. You can say
0: that to her at the dinner. You can tell her all that at the dinner. Absolutely. I tell
1: her in my heart every night. I just sent her that message. Um, And then, okay, skipping to Dallas. Oh, I think I got a... Wow. Oh, my God. It would be too crazy to have two people from Dallas at this dinner because it's just not really good enough city for that. But I was going to say definitely Deandra, but I would like to have Stephanie around. So maybe... Okay, what am I doing here? But I think... <laughs> I think I am gonna have Marge plan the dinner and not attend it. So I think I will have Beth- okay. Bethany. We freed up a spot. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll have Bethany, Kathy Hilton, uh, Monique, of course. This mm-hmm. is such an insane list. As I'm saying it, you it's it?
0: really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's Bethany. very specific.
1: It's like the worst list anyone has ever given. No, I think it's really interesting. <laughs> <The> Pretty <parties> suck.
0: <laughs> Do you remember the
1: kind of components of anyone who? you thought had actually the best list oh
0: that's a good question it's funny because they're often quite random (laughs) because sometimes people just go here are five that are like you know the well-liked ones that most fans agree are the nice ones and then some people are like i'm gonna have just the kids or i'm gonna do like (laughs) random side characters like It's usually as well I always like hearing How people justify They either want to have An actual dinner party With five normal people Or they want to sit back And watch the chaos unfold And I feel like yours Is a mix of the two So you're saying You're Stephanie and Deandra As your Dallas counterparts To round out the dinner
1: (laughs) Yes, even though that feels crazy. I just feel like these women would make a good party. Stephanie would keep the conversation going.
0: True, Um, true.
1: uh, You know what? Yeah, I think that that is my psychotic dinner party. (laughs) I don't know if I would have fun. Like, Bethany's definitely funny. I think Deandra can be funny. Stephanie's surprisingly funny. I think she doesn't – I think her humor isn't always as obvious to people because she is so beautiful. Um, mm. but some of her observations and her delivery really is funny. Although I will say I wouldn't have her at my party, but, uh, I believe it was Brandy revealed herself to be a natural physical comedian this past season. the party they were at, God, was it someone's birthday? Uh, was it maybe Tiffany's birthday where like there were, you know, just disembodied hands holding like champagne glasses
0: Oh when yeah, ra- yeah. and
1: Brandy <laughs> truly without missing a beat, grabbed one and clinked another hand with it. And, like, she didn't, <laughs> I don't even know if she was aware she was on camera at that point. It was so clearly something that she would just do naturally. I really appreciated yeah. that because I absolutely would do that.
0: <laughs> that's a deep cut. That's how I know you pay attention when you're watching. Like, that's a forensic approach to Dallas of all cities. So that is definitely an interesting lineup for the dinner parties. I think I do need to go back and start, like, comparing and contrasting because... I have a feeling you may have, even just the idea that I feel like Kathy Hilton would pick up on your name and go, oh, like Kathy, like she would fully <laughs> love how you spelled your name. She'd have a whole, she'd probably forget everyone else's name. Oh, I think having Kathy elevates the experience for sure. Um obviously you watch the cities that are airing now. You've watched ones that aren't with us anymore. Like, is there a housewives journey that you're planning to go on soon of like maybe rewatching a city Mm -hmm. or trying out one that you haven't watched before?
1: Well, I uh, have been rewatching New York from the beginning with my fiance. Uh, oh. Which has been such a treat This is like a We actually started doing this Because we had We were supposed to get married last year And we had to postpone our uh-huh. wedding uh, And I was so upset about it That he told me that he would start Rewatching <laughs> New York with me Because he knew I really wanted to And I specifically wanted to oh. it with him. He actually I will say He watches Potomac with me And his rule was He would watch one But he wanted to see it from the beginning Because he didn't want me Every 30 seconds to be explaining Like years right. of backstory. So he, he watches um Potomac and really enjoys it. He likes Robin a lot. But uh he I actually got him for his birthday a couple years ago a cameo. I tried to get him one from Robin, and Robin let the request expire. So then it like was oh. his birthday, and I didn't have anything to give him. And I and I requested <laughs> one from Karen and I mentioned that I had like tried to get it from Robin, and Robin didn't get back to me on time. <gasps> and Karen referenced that in her video and was like, you know, Robin, she's always late, and she is never on time. So Karen really knocked it out did an incredible job and also Robin definitely needed the money more than Karen get on it Robin Um, yeah very true so he and I have have been watching New York from the beginning we are on season four now Um, he, he loved Scary Island of course uh mm-hmm. he it's interesting going back and rewatching it myself and also seeing it through his eyes. He really likes right. Alex and Simon and I remember they were oh. like the biggest villains of the century when there are people hated them. Mm. And he's like they're weird but like I think they're okay. I like them. Um he really does not like Ramona or Mario. Hates Luann. <laughs> really loves uh appreciates Bethany and how funny she is. Um loves the friendship of of Jill and Bethany, actually, the one thing that he said that I absolutely agree with is, like, Jill is absolutely the closest person to me I've ever seen on TV. Like, addicted to Diet Coke, doesn't want to go do any kind of (laughs) exercise, really prizes – like, is very generous, but also really prizes loyalty and can, like, you know, wants to feel – like, wasn't getting enough from – Bethany and wanted to make Bethany know that. I also absolutely see myself in the way that like Jill just wanted to be mad at Bethany and she wanted people to be on her side and she kind of held on to it for too long because it felt good. And so then like past the time when the friendship could have been repaired, she, She couldn't do it. And she kind of realized, I think, as it was happening, like, oh, I've miscalculated this. But she couldn't figure out how to undo it. She couldn't unring that bell. Could absolutely see that happening to me. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so it's very, it's it's sometimes like chilling to see Jill and just think like, oh, my God, there I am. There we go. Showing up at the party. Hi. Hi. (laughs) I I I, I never would have. I never would have
0: thought, you know, Katie, we were such a Jill. I love how you're like, it's me. It's, it's,
1: it's really sick. It's absolutely sick. There's some, oh my gosh, I wonder if I could find, there was like some quote from her. Here, oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. So this is what it was. This on the caption. So it's earlier this weekend for reasons I genuinely cannot remember, two exclamation points, because that's also crazy. Taylor said to me jokingly, I'll forgive this, but I won't forget it. You're the opposite you forget immediately and never forgive, which is so true. And then this is a clip of Jill saying, I might forget, but I will never forgive her for this. And it's like, oh God, (laughs) that is me. I really might forget. And I really won't ever forgive her for this. Even though if I can't remember what she did, she will never be forgiven.
0: you know it's true what they say representation really matters and it really lifts people up and it lets them see themselves so you've learned that through jill
1: absolutely chilling to see my words come out of jill's mouth
0: <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned there that you're watching the show with your fiance and obviously you're going back you know quite a fur like back in time to a very different place for a lot of these women do you ever find he comes out with a hot take that you're like, yeah, that would have been great in 2012, but like that actually has no bearing on where that person is now? Or do you have to hold your tongue?
1: Well, I can't tell. Taylor, are you listening? <laughs> okay, he's not listening. He doesn't. He doesn't know that Bobby Zarin is dead, and he's gonna be so upset. I have been thinking, how am I gonna handle this? Well. I think I just have to let him find out. I can't tell him. <laughs> there's no good time to tell him that
0: news. There's that's obviously not funny that that's happened to poor Bobby, but there's something about you whispering that into the mic is actually killing me. You're like, I can tell you're like
1: I really can't say this really right loudly. <laughs> I don't want him to find out like this. <laughs> so to that I mean it's not it's not like a hot take, but He's going to be upset as we all were. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) 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 It's like,
0: are you keeping anything from your partner? (laughs) Just one thing.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I really tried to play out like, how's he going to react when he finds out? Is he going to be upset? I didn't tell him. There's no good time Mm -hmm. to tell him. I can't tell him. Um, So that's really the main thing that hasn't totally (laughs) waged well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's very specific. Um, That's not what I was expecting, but it's, it's interesting nonetheless.
1: (laughs) I I will say the other thing that we're kind of noticing in a big way is um, they, in season four is when they do the March in their wedding dresses for like marriage equality. And that is interesting because that just feels really dated. Obviously now it's legal here. um, And it's like, wow, it really was so much all about them. And I think probably at the time I realized that and the absurdity of it. But boy, does it not play well in retrospect, how little they kind of understood what they were there for and how much it was about Sonia versus Simon. That, has, that was a little bit sweaty to, to revisit.
0: Yeah. And it's probably something like if it featured on the show now, they will be a little more thoughtful in how they pitched it to, to the audience whereas then they were like isn't it funny how these women make a civil rights issue their personal playground yes. like if w- they wouldn't have thought of the optics of it then.
1: Yes totally totally and I think they would have you know really they would just their stance on it would be totally different like ne- I think the maybe the 2021 equivalent of it would be um, like something you know rights for like trans kids and it's like how are we going to make this about Sonya yeah. Um, yeah. I, could, I could see that <laughs> happening and and in that case i think she'd probably be about as informed as she was for the marriage thing which is not very so maybe 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 we'll see that on new york and then i'll come back and and check it out (laughs) that
0: will finally get you back in the fold (laughs) um before we wrap up and you know i'm sure you've got a busy day of what catching up in new york (laughs) ahead of you um where can people check out your work and find you online and all that kind of thing
1: okay so my name is Katie Weaver. It's Katie spelled C A I T Y, which is cavity without the V. Um, I, I, and <laughs> I forgot to tell you this: uh, the reason my name is spelled with the C C A I T is uh, my parents were big fans of the Pogues, and their original bassist was a woman named Kate O'Reardon. And my parents had like oh my had never seen that spelling before and really liked. It. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um so follow me kate ariordan on twitter Uh, (laughs) um and then
0: at the pogues underscore 2021 (laughs) um
1: and then and i write for the new york times so sporadically you can see me there but i unless it's something i really become like embarrassed by over the course of writing it i tweet out pretty much everything i write so those are the two places Mm -hmm. where it's best to find me and if you see me out and about i wear glasses so every woman who wears glasses looks like me i think um come up and say hi and talk housewives i'm always happy to do that i really feel like you know people say all the time that housewives is like sports and i feel like it is in the sense that you know like my fiance is really he's from atlanta and he's like really into atlanta baseball and so he can have a conversation about any season with anyone he's ready to hop in and discuss it and that is me i'll talk about any season of any of the housewives Mm. i watch don't come up and try to talk to me about orange county i don't want to hear it
0: (laughs) So the Twitter handle is at Katie Weaver. It isn't actually Katie from the Pogues. We no. should just, <laughs> <laughs> just
1: Not yet. Currently it is just Katie Weaver. Um, and yeah, and that's where I send all my, every once in a while, I will just get on a rant about Beverly Hills. I, I have like made it my mission on Twitter last year to get them to dump um, Teddy from that really helps. And really <laughs> I, I, I know i had nothing to do with it but it felt really good and it's nice to just have that community come and support you and say like yes we agree teddy needs to go
0: yes they stand in solidarity with you and <laughs> um, listen we have covered a lot of ground today it was a pleasure to talk to you we've been trying to make this happen for ages and i'm so glad we did katie weaver thank you very much for coming on housewives and me thank
1: you for having me I had a great time
0: that was Katie Weaver here on Housewives and Me. I will link to some of Katie's writing in the show notes for this episode. You have to check out some of her pieces; they're so good. I will link to her social media as well. If you liked what you heard today and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or a review. It really helps get the word out about the show. You can follow us on social media at Housewives and Me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Bean as well. As I mentioned last week, we'll do our Housewives of Potomac premiere chats in next week's episode. So keep your ears peeled for a Potomac post this week where we can have a kiki in the comments about the episode as well. And of course, thank you to Katie for joining me on today's episode. It was such a treat to get to talk to her, and we were trying to work out the dates and times and, you know, just the time zones. It can be a challenge. So I really appreciate her help on that. So. Until next time, thank you so much for listening, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon.